Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Undivided, which is brought to you by Audible.com. That's Audible.com, the world's leader in spoken audio, audiobooks, speeches, and periodicals for everything spoken audio. That's Audible.com. Head to Audible.com right now and enter in the drop-down box Life Coach Radio Network to enter a contest for exciting prizes. That's Audible.com, the sponsor of our show here on the Life Coach Radio Network. And welcome in to Undivided. This is episode number 28. I am your host, Frank J. Maduri, and we are, in full disclosure, recording this show on gender roles in relationships with our special guest tonight, Jenna Poneman, who joins us from the L.A. area. So because of the time difference, we are recording this show. It will air on Wednesday in the regular slot. And so let's jump right in with our disclaimer here this evening. The views of tonight's show, Undivided, episode number 28, Gender Roles in Relationships, may not necessarily be the views of myself as host, Frank J. Maduri, my special guest this evening, in this case, Jenna Poneman, or the views of the Life Coach Radio Network. So, gender roles to the Bible and ancient texts goes all the way back to Adam and Eve where God creates man and woman. Gender roles are behaviors and attitudes that are deemed acceptable or appropriate that's deemed by our society. And as we talk a lot about societal constructs, that plays a big role. The role and the influence of, of the major mainstream media also plays a role. And we're going to talk about all of that tonight. They were first defined, that's gender roles, first defined by John Money in 1955 in a study that he was doing on men and women. This, however, gender roles should not be uh, misconstrued, let's say. It's not the same as gender identity. Those are two separate things. So anyone's expecting Anyone who is expecting a gender identity show tonight, you're not going to get one. Gender identity is an internal sense of one's gender. Gender roles are external, societal views, and also how we present ourselves externally in society, in society and our daily activities. There are some very hot-button issues surrounding this topic, such as women's rights, women being given full freedom, equal pay, the Me Too movement. And there's also what some people may call, quote unquote, a man's world, and how men are perceived as breadwinners. Women are perceived as homemakers. Those perceptions are going to be challenged and discussed tonight, as well as the opinion as far as learned stereotypes, things that we learn from our parents, the person and environment perspective what we learn from our environment, nature, nurture. Our society will also be viewed in America and in the West as a male-advantaged gender hierarchy. However, there are some people, both men and women alike, that feel that men get, quote-unquote, the shaft and have been with this rise in a movement where people are essentially picking on men. We'll talk about masculinity and femininity and all those roles 
as they relate to all the relationships we have, both in the workplace and on a romantic level and in a friendship level. And we're going to do that all tonight with Jenna Poneman, who's my special guest. I'm going to get Jenna up here in a moment. Jenna helps women to upgrade their love lives, to reach relationships that they never thought were possible. Uh, she helps women build thriving romantic relationships through self-love, which is an important concept. We had a show on that earlier this year. Jenna holds a bachelor's degree in sociology from California State University in Northridge and is also a professional certified professional coach, as I am, and master practitioner of the ELI, as we've talked about on the show before. Jenna also attended IPEC, where I attended. Jenna enjoys working out and traveling. So we're going to bring Jenna up now. Jenna, welcome to the program. Welcome to Undivided. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. I know this has been uh, six months in the making, so I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's really exciting moment to be here, finally. <laughs> I know, right? Thank you for coming on. I know with the time difference and everything, I'm glad that we could um, do this tonight and talk about what's a very important topic to both you and I, um, and that is gender roles. Um, so as I discussed in the open, there are uh, competing views of gender roles. Um, when did those evolve and come to define our relationships? Yeah, great question. I mean, truth be told, as you already touched on at the beginning here, we've always had these gender roles, and it's just been kind of since the beginning of time, so to speak, building and building into our societal beliefs. I'd say a really big turning point would have happened way back in the 1920s when women were even given the right to vote. That was sort of that first moment that women sort of began to have a voice and started to kind of question the idea of the societal norms of a woman is in the home and takes care of the family, and that's about all she does. So we had this, and then you move forward where they really stepped into the workplace in the 40s with, with the war, and the men were out still doing what they were always taught to do, which is defend our country, defend our women, and defend our families. And so then you come all the way into present day today, and we have things like the Me Too movement, as you mentioned. We have women that are now not only in the workplace, but they're these huge ball busters, big money makers. And we've really turned a tide on what it means to be a woman in this world. It's no longer just about staying home, taking care of children, taking care of the husband, and making sure that there's this environment for them to come to, to be raised in. It's about really individual now. And because of that, it's both fantastic for them, but now we have the male gender norms, which as you've already said, since the beginning, even in biblical text, they've been made as the breadwinner, the strong man, the protector, that real masculine figure. And that has continuously been solidified and ingrained into us from past all the way till now. And so with the gender norm of the female shifting, we've now had this shift of, well, can a man change too? 
And for some men, they want to be able to be more open, be allowed to be sensitive, things like that. And yet it is still very, very, very hard for a man to be open as he is because it is so deeply ingrained that they have to remain in that masculine world. It's a very good point. And we can get ourselves stuck there and perceive, you know, in coaching, we talk about the lens with which we view the world and those lenses Mm -hmm. can be, you know, shaped by our environment. We talk about uh, when we talk about uh, work, you know, many studies show Harvard and, you know, through Harvard, Duke, other major universities, I've referenced them before in this show. I've referenced them in workshops that I do on career transition, you know, they show that in America, happiness and fulfillment for individuals is directly tied to their work and their relationships. So I think about, you know, the, when we see our parents and how they approach work, that yeah. defines, in my talk about career transition and people's approach to job and career, and we had the retirement show two weeks ago uh, here on the program and how people are in America are so defined by the work that they do and it comes to embody them, we also you know, tend to shape our opinions on stereotypes around gender from watching how our parents interacted, how our families interacted. Um, how does that all inter- intersect with gender norms? You know, there is this, you know, fulfillment that people tie to their work, to the relationships they have. How do gender norms impact the relationships we have? Great question. As you said, familial ties, friend ties, but parent ties in particular are the strongest leading force when it comes to the way we associate our gender norms. And watching our, you know, in the generation we live in was mostly a traditionalist lifestyle with the mother being in the home, having the kids taking care of that house and the father going out to work. Maybe then you have some in the millennial generation where divorce was then a lot higher in men, uh, excuse me, women uh, kind of did it all on their own. But then there was a negative connotation to the role of the male figure in the household. And so now we have a really interesting mix of either you have on one side of the spectrum the women that still still kind of are dipping their toes in the sand. We go to work because that's the society we live in. We have a higher standard of living these days. So of course there's culture and those other societal figures that impact that. But we now are in this place where women feel comfortable enough to be out in the workplace, but then we still have that third shift where we come home and we still condition ourselves to make sure the dinner's cooked, make sure that we are keeping a clean household and all of those things. So we have that on one side. But then you have the complete other end of the spectrum where the women have really become very, very strong wonder women, if you will, where they are hell-bent on doing it on their own, creating that on their own in spite of the male, so to speak. And so they're working day and night. They take care of themselves, but then they're, they're essentially very career-focused. So on one hand great. They're really happy. They're really moving forward in their eyes. But then we get to that relationship 
and they they have a very tough time with actually connecting to the audience or to a male counterpart. And that's where we start to see a little bit of that disassociation of the gender roles and where we really want to try to find that happy medium to where they can ultimately have that happiness and that fulfillment that they're really desiring. Now, how do you, I'm glad you touched on the millennials. How do you see that affecting both the millennial generation and those that will come after if they're watching you know, their family is a non-nuclear, quote-unquote, scenario. How do you think that's going to affect them? Well, I certainly think that as time progresses, we've, we've started to create a little bit more of a fluid definition behind what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. And so there certainly are pluses and minuses to this, In the pluses in which they sort of are at this beautiful place in their lives where they get to create that for themselves. And they really get to almost get rid of that idea of what is my role as a woman or a man, but to say, what is it that I desire in this life as I am, regardless of that gender role. And they can really create that and build that out as they go along. So that's definitely the plus that the minus that happens is that when they kind of are unclear of what that means to them, there's still sort of, uh, blinded a little bit, but speak from, from those societal norms, from media, from other sort of social media platforms and things of that nature that still try to enforce that traditional belief, then it's very much a clash of what's right and what's wrong, which really keeps in a place of feeling really stuck. And therefore, you know, it's this domino effect moving forward of not quite knowing either how to go about life, how to go about conduct themselves in the workplace to how they want to conduct themselves in a relationship. What is the quote unquote correct way to behave or to take actions to create a relationship that is successful? It's very true. You know, back when, back in the day, as I like to say, back when I was going through stuff, there was, you know, no dating sites or, you know, websites that offered these kind of things. And now there's a million of these sites, you know, it used to be like that, um, that eHarmony or whatever that site is, it was like the big one. And now there's like a million of these sites that are mm-hmm. you know, really hyper specialized to get people into relationships. And that's, that's a very good point. You know, between the social media, the internet, these uh, dating websites, why they have work for people and they do, serve a purpose, excuse me, it also serves a purpose to uh, confuse people further, you know, potentially. We're at 15 minutes into our program, 15 minutes past the hour. It does go fast, and it's time for our first break of the evening. Undivided episode number 28. We'll be back in a moment. We'll talk more about gender roles and relationships. But first, Sisters of the Diaspora, Sisters of the Diaspora, Trina Ramsey and the Gals, Thursday, August the 16th, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Life Coach chat channel. That's Sisters of the Diaspora, brand new episode, Thursday, August 16th, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Life Coach chat channel. And tonight, you know, I usually do uh, the spots for the charities. Tonight, we're going to focus a lot of that charitable giving on the California wildfires, the situation there 
as I'm sure some of you know, over the weekend has improved. However, that situation is going to be significantly bad for people and significantly, you know, the damage there is going to be resonating for quite a long period of time. If you've seen any of the images from a place like Redding, California, you would know that that is the case. Catholic Charities is working to help victims of the California wildfires. To learn more, 800-919-9338. That's 800-919-9338. www.salvationarmyus.org. You can plug in Redding, California. You could type in the zip code for Redding, or you could type in on the section for the tab for the California wildfires on the Salvation Army U.S. website to donate there. And another great resource, www.cnn.com forward slash impact. It's the word impact, I-M-P-A-C-T. They have a California fires relief section with vetted charities there. And we're back here on Undivided, episode 28. Frank Jamidur, your host, Jenna Poneman, along with us. So when we went to the 15-minute the break, we talked about the roles of media and social media. Our society has become really hardwired almost with these gender expectations, both for men and women in, these, in the area of uh, relationships. What are the benefits and what are the downsides to these types of expectations? Mm. It's a really interesting question. My coach brain is, is flying. Um, so in, <laughs> in coaching, we, we have this principle, which I am sure you're aware of, of that we teach that there really is no such thing as a right or wrong decision or, or right or wrong choice. Right. We make a choice. We learn from it and we grow, be it that it's pursuing that same path or we, we course correct and we move forward. Either way, we continue to grow. And that same philosophy can really be applied to this, to the to gender roles and, and that of things of that nature. And not saying that um, suppression of the female gender and over masculating labels of men is a good thing. But what I am saying is that by having gender roles, which at the time they were create, created, certainly served a purpose, it allowed each of us the opportunity to really explore ourselves and to discover who we want to be and how we want to present ourselves in relationship. So that certainly, I would say, is a benefit of those gender norms that we've created. And then, as I said, um, these gender roles really serve a purpose. They were ingrained into the culture and people back then were much more in tune, I'd say, with religion and culture, um, perhaps even more than they are now, at least here in the States where we really have created quite the melting pot. So for them in the past, sticking to those gender roles really could have been something that was fulfilling and really brought them in touch with that spiritual practice. So as humans, we have this natural inclination to be of service and to provide for others. We all have uh, values that we really hold near and dear to our hearts, and our actions are reflected from that no matter the gender role. So for women, being in the home to cook and clean and take care of the family didn't make them lesser beings, 
so to speak. The way that they really viewed themselves or could have viewed themselves is that they really were the ones that held the family together um, and let alone actually being the one to physically bear the children. And so even today, women can still be viewed in this light. And same for the men. They, they worked to provide for the family so that they could live, have a roof over their heads, put food in their bellies, and they, they worked together to build this cohesive unit. The only thing that I would say um, can really potentially be a downside in this sense is that traditionalist believers would say that the roles can never be exchanged. And now moving into present times, it's really, it's no longer just about a man can do this and a woman can do that. Other than, of course, physical bearing of children, there really isn't anything that either gender can or cannot do. And so that's what I would say is really kind of the only downside, at least that I can foresee right now, um, to these sort of hardwired gender roles. And that's true. You know, there is that debate over the gender pay gap. There are people that come to this country, maybe from another country that I've spoken to uh, or that I know. And there's people Mm -hmm. that I've lived here their whole lives that say, uh, you know, I can't believe that as a woman, I don't get paid the same as a man. I see that. And you see that a lot in mainstream media with uh, the movies and the, the entertainment industry, you know, uh, they were filming that movie and, you know, so-and-so the act, the lead actor gets paid, you know, to, um, X amount of dollars and the, the female lead gets a lot less money or they get paid extra to do the, the reshoots for an edit on a movie and the female actress gets paid less than scale or whatever it is to come in and shoot. And there's, so you hear about that in the mainstream media has brought a lot of light to that. And for some people that doesn't really make sense, myself included, that there is a pay gap. But then there's other people that look at that and say, well, the women have really progressed a long way and they're in high ranking positions. You look at a corporation like Target, all the leadership team, there's a lot of high ranking uh, uh, individuals and executive levels that are women and that they can hold any job. There's women CEOs and, and, and all this. So that mm-hmm. is uh, indicative of what you were saying. You know, the, the women really can do everything. It's still an unequal playing field, so to speak, when you talk about gender gap with, with pay. However, then you watch these movies and they have, well, the father goes off to work and the kids resent him because he's never around and that, that age old tradition, yet they don't really bring about the fact that, you know, if the father and mother didn't work, the family wouldn't have the things that they have, i.e. a home, uh, clothing and education and so on. So it brings about, um, a really interesting dichotomy when you think about, you know, the two sides of this and how that has started to shift, you know, this masculine identity of, you know, very individualistic competitive environment and, you know, a female type of uh, more relationship driven, more collective type of, of thing. What role do you think you had touched on, on secularism and religion I've mm-hmm. talked a lot about secularism on this show. What role do you think it's played uh, with gender roles? It's very similar 
to what the media has really done, uh, where it is something that is very heavily looked at and relied upon by almost anyone and everyone, at least those that really believe in spiritual practice. There is some sort of religious text or spirituality that someone will really latch onto and live and view the world by. And when almost aside from new, maybe newfound religion that we see, you know, in more of today's society, our main religions that we have, be it Muslim, Christianity, Judaism, uh, Buddhism, in some sense, will still connect to a masculine energy. It'll still have an implication of whether it still is be kind to your mother and father or, you know, be kind to one another, uh, be gracious, be generous. It still will hint at um, to man. A lot of the phrasing will say to man rather than to woman, unless it's referencing something that's purely female, such as the bearing of a child. Um, even referencing God as a he rather than as it or the, or um, in Judaism, I can, I can relate to that. My, my religion is that we use the word Adonai, which is more of a universal phrase. But when scripture is translated into an English, it's still always referenced as a he. And so even if we aren't super religious, if we're just maybe a little bit cultural, it's always something in the back of our minds that is still sort of tinting or tainting over um, our perception of how we view the world. Even if it's completely involuntary, it's still there so deeply ingrained because that is how it's been since the beginning of time, or at least since, since we've been born and all, that's all we've known. It's true. It's a great answer. Our occupations, our relationships, they should align with our values, right? You know, or at least support some of them. Mm-hmm. What happens when the relationships we have do not align with our values? Ooh. Plain and simple, when our relationships are not aligning with our values, we're ultimately sacrificing pieces of ourselves that are connected to true happiness and fulfillment. So essentially, when you're choosing to be in a relationship that you're not aligned with, you're subconsciously telling yourself that you're not deserving of what you truly want or that you're incapable of receiving it in some way. So it's almost like doomed to fail before you've even started, in a sense. It's very interesting. I actually know some people that that's happened to, so I could probably, you know, attest to that. I've either, you know, counseled people through some of that uh, where they feel that, you know, they're with this person uh, because they had stuck with them through some, you know, particularly bad time in their life. However, the other person treats them really badly. And I said, well, why do you stay with this person? Well, you know, she stayed with me through X, Y, and Z that was happening to me at the time of my life. And I'm sure that you found that too in in some of the coaching that you've done. Or or they stayed with me when I had a weight problem. Or they stayed with me when I, you know, was going, my parents are going through a divorce. So I'm kind of in this relationship and, you know, now it doesn't really align with my values because this person wants, you know, these things and I want this type of life, but yet I feel like I have to stay with this person because they were loyal to me 
or they stayed with me when they could have left. And that creates a, a scenario that, you know, shouldn't be happening. You know, that it shouldn't be like an ultimatum from another person. That's not a relationship. It shouldn't be, you know, you're with them because you're guilty or you have, you know, some kind of hardwired sense of guilt, you know, that that shouldn't be the way that, you know, right. That we should stay with somebody. What do you think the role of, uh, the media and social media is as far as engaging and encouraging uh, these gender roles or norms? I mean, to be quite frank, I really think that we should have been a lot farther along in uh, as far as following progressive ideals when it comes to the media, but we still are super glued to the max to these traditional beliefs and norms and you know, I'll, I'll tell you, for, for one thing, we have, which I guess would be good, shows like um, How to Get Away with Murder and um, all those shows that are, with, with uh, excuse me, produced by the same producer. I'm blanking on her name at the moment. But you see the very big powerhouses, those, those big figures that we talked about that are on the full opposite end of the spectrum. And on one hand, sure, they're strong. They're tough women. They don't take crap from anybody. But at the same time, there's still that really slight cover or coating over it that shows she's dressed very provocatively. There's always a man that's the, the man that's the love interest that comes at and all of a sudden they're kind of at the whims of the man uh, and so on and so forth. And we still haven't fully made it there where we can just show two characters in a story that are just people and just make the decisions they want to make based on what they find valuable to them rather than succumbing to a whim or a pressure of, um, of how it should be, so to speak. Um, even in our, our social media um, with, with dating sites that you talked about, it still is. Um, you create a profile and they ask you to describe yourself and many clients that I've worked with will have a very hard time filling this out because even if they have an idea of who they are and what they look like, they feel so pressured to say that they're physically active or um, average size or slender, even if they, they aren't because in their minds, this is what they need to be to obtain an ideal mate, the, the mate that they should have. Um, based on those looks, based on what they have been shown time and time again from TV shows, from print ads, from um, other online ads, from magazines, that this is the way to look in order to have that good-looking significant other or someone who's going to really see you for who you are. Yes, it still reinforces the in sociology, they would say that the woman as the seductress type of role that's still, you know, there. And the, the guy is, we'll get to in a second, the white knight. We are about 30 minutes into our program. It goes by very quickly. And it's time for the midpoint of the show break. Undivided episode number 28, Generals and Relationships with Jenna Poneman. We'll be back in a moment. First, Paul Garwood. Paul Garwood show push through his series push through Sunday August 19th is the next new episode so again Paul Garwood push through 
Sunday, August 19th. It's this Sunday night, believe it or not, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Life Coach chat channel. Paul has different people on that have gone through some sort of struggle, excuse me, with uh, mental illness, depression, some type of emotional distress, some type of uh, breakdown, and they overcome those sets of circumstances on top of maybe circumstances in their family that kind of compound things to push through, quote unquote, hence the name of the series, and move on to the other side. So it's very uplifting, very inspiring, great series. Paul was a guest on on this show, as you some of you may remember, uh, the suicide show that we did together. And that is a great segue to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you or someone that you know or love, someone that you work with, someone that you're in a relationship with, someone that you're in a romantic relationship with, someone that you might be best friends with, if you, you or someone that you know or love is thinking about harming themselves in any way, please get help and please call the number and please encourage them to do so. That's 800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. You matter. Every person is special. Every life was created by God with a purpose. Please, it's not worth it. Call the number, get help. Operators are there for you. Professionals are there to help you. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. Please remember to support the California wildfires. That's, again, Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. And Food for the Poor, doing some great work in the developing world for those in desperate need, www.foodforthepoor.org or call them at 800-427-9104. And we're back here on Undivided. And now we went through the segment of the show called The Divide. We've identified the divide in society, the divide where society kind of preaches to us and puts up barriers around norms related to gender, roles related to gender. You know, the women as the homemaker, the man as the breadwinner, the man is the protector, the woman is, you know, somebody that, that stays home and, you know, takes care of the kids and cleans the house and, and does that sort of thing. Those very traditional roles. So now we're in the point of the show called Bridging the Divide. At this point, I would normally open the phone lines for a recorded show. So I ask you at this point to email us any comments or feedback you have on our episode after you listen to it. I would love to hear from you. I always love hearing from the audience, and I'll pass it along to Jenna as well at Undivided Show. That's UndividedSHOW at gmail.com. Audible.com is our sponsor. So how do we bridge the divide? How can we do that, Jenna, between the past mindset around gender norms uh, what people believe in and how they believe in them, that some people still feel that that should be the case, that men should yeah. be out there working and women should be at home. And the present mindset, quote, unquote, which maintains that gender roles need to be altered in order to foster healthy relationships, which will provide true fulfillment, as you referenced before, finding true fulfillment, alignment with our values to both men and women alike. Yeah, I think the biggest thing first and foremost to recognize is that, as I mentioned earlier, the definitions of what it means to be a man 
what it means to be a woman is fluid and it's ever-changing. And it could mean one thing to you and something completely different to me. And that's okay. So moving forward for really bringing this past mindset, if you're somebody who agrees with that, that holds that value so high, chances are there are at least a handful of people out there that feel the same way and there's a person out there for you and vice versa. If you're someone with progressive beliefs that you feel love is love, for example, um, and that you want to be in a space of complete openness, uh, there's somebody out there that believes in that too. And it's just a matter of finding the one that's in line with that value, with that identity, with that definition of what it is to be a man and a woman. I work with people that are younger and um, I work with a few people that are older than myself, but I, I work with a lot of people in different work that I do with people that are still kind of coming up, still learning their ways. And I could, it, it sounds cliche, but that is true. Like I'll say to them, you know, you guys have to uh, maintain positive outlook. You know, if they've had difficulties with relationships with the other opposite gender, you have to maintain, you know, that focus because, you know, it sounds cliche, but the right one is out there. You know, the last me being married, you know, you know, how did you know? I say, well, you just know, you know, when you, you meet that person, it's different. Right. Uh, it's hard to describe almost, but it's, um, you're, you're very aligned just as you had mentioned. And I think that's a part of how we can start to bridge that. However, at the same time, the role of limiting beliefs as we know in coaching and some other people know the term, mm-hmm. uh, what role do limiting beliefs have in gender norms and particularly playing in relationships, particularly romantic relationships, you know, a good example is, you know, men holding back their feelings or the man is the white knight or the savior. How do, how do these limiting beliefs play out in, in relationships? I love this question. Uh, limiting beliefs <laughs> touched on this a little bit, but limiting beliefs really ultimately are going to hold you back from being able to explore the relationship fully, therefore really not allowing it to grow to its full potential. So for example, um, say a woman, a woman gives herself a deadline of when she has to be married um, or, you know, we see the clock ticking when we, because we've got to have kids by 35. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that, for example, we've, we then are rushing to meet someone to just hit the deadline. And because of that, all of a sudden, those vision goggles we have onto the infinite amount of possibilities become so narrowed. And we're only looking for someone who can give us just that. Then thinking or asking myself, who am I as myself? Who am I with this person? How are we together when things are great? How are we together when we're in conflict? Do I like all of that? Can I live happily this way? We don't take that moment to slow down and pause and to ask ourselves these questions because we're so focused on the external goal of having that family, assuming that by having the family, I will be happy. And that's not the case at all. I know someone that, um, and not really well, I should 
should also probably mention because there might be people listening and think, oh, I wonder who that is. I know somebody, but not not really too well. Um, <laughs> more of an acquaintance than anything else. And uh, from from the past, this is not even a recent thing, uh, which is why I feel a little better too about sharing. But that this person had like the a, a, a timeline written out for their life, and like by this point, this is going to happen. By this point, that's going to happen. And I'm going to say, uh, I remember saying. You know, there seems to be, to me, you have to let things play out naturally. Like, that may not happen, you know, that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's me being someone, a person of faith. I just always entrusted, you know, my day-to-day to God. It just was like, okay, whatever the plan is, you know, I'm walking the path sort of thing. And, and to me, uh, I didn't want to make that preconception about this person but it kind of demonstrated a lack of faith to me that you would think that, you know, things are going to play out that way. They may not. And even if they did, like you said, at the end of the day, you may not be really that happy with the result, even if it did go according to this quote unquote plan. In your experience, how, how does that play out with people? I think when we set a, an expectation, that's really, outside of ourselves we really are looking to an external factor that's supposed to cause something that is so internal we're automatically kind of taking the control away from ourselves you know the other cliche that sometimes women will think is I got to let go I have to just trust that it will work out and of course we do but sort of the catch-22 to it all is by releasing that control we ultimately gain it and the way to do that is that we really release the external, stop thinking about the story of the, I got to marry, I have to have the kids now. Um, for the man, I have to be able to make six figures by the time I'm uh, in my late 20s so that I can afford a nice house when I meet a woman. Letting go of all these things because ultimately what we should be focusing on is what emotions are stimulated by having those things. What's the internal goal that I'm looking for by achieving those external items? And when we connect to that, to what we call our core desired feelings, Danielle Laporte created this fantastic thing of core desired feelings. Connection to that, starting from within, and then building outward to, okay, I am looking to feel secure in my relationship what brings me security besides the financial what about in the emotional security what about in the spiritual security what are all those things combined you'd be surprised how all of a sudden there are so many other options that you have so many other opportunities that are laid out for you in plain sight that you can now play with look at it from research purposes Breaking down those expectations are ultimately what is going to get you what it is you truly desire. As a guy, I know it sounds a little stereotypical, but as a guy and as a guy that hangs out with a lot of other guys, um, I hear that a lot. And I've heard that, you know, from people that I I have been friends with for a long period of time back when we were younger, before we were married guys that I know now that aren't married. Oh, you know, I have to make enough money before I can do that. I have Mm -hmm. to make enough money before I could start a family. And then there's other guys that have said said to me 
and I've said to other people, you know, that I've been in conversation with, you know, things are going to play out the way they're going to play out, you know, in their experience. And, and some of them have, you know, families themselves. They say it's never a good time. And it's, you know, an expensive thing, no matter how prepared you are for it. So you just might as well, you know, just let time go and live in the moment. And it's good advice, you know, to live in the present. Yeah. Um, what has to take place to move this dialogue forward on generals to bring about some true change? Now, because there are other people that then say, and I'm sure you've heard it, that they think mm-hmm. American society and the way the new uh, view on gender, and again, we're not talking about the um, the outward, the uh, or I'm sorry, the excuse me, the inward, the gender identity, and all that is a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. But just the the roles of men and women, and how you know things have changed and kind of melded. Some people say America is quote unquote a soft society. We've gotten soft. There are people that talk about it in Washington. There are people that talk about it around sports. Oh, that the this sport went soft. They made too many changes to the rules. Yeah. How do we do that and bring about quote unquote true change without going too far the other direction here? Mm. That's so interesting. I almost want to play a slight devil's advocate and actually say that that internal dialogue sure. we have with ourselves of um, of that association internally of what it means to be that man or woman actually plays out into our gender norms. They're a little bit interconnected. And what I mean by that is we have the collective brain, so to speak, our society but that's made up in, of each and every one of us. And the way that we start to change that, bridge the divide, as you mentioned, ultimately it starts with you and it starts with me and it starts with how we define ourselves and how we define one another. And so I think of those few parts that it really entails is one being that people really have to be willing to get uncomfortable with change and really be open to the change of What are the other possibilities of being a man and being a woman? I think that that true change really can only take place when the individual desires that change. And when there's the, um, if there's resistance, so to speak, to shifting, sure, you might, you might see some change temporarily, but ultimately it ends up sort of taking those few steps backward to that traditionalist belief, almost like a domino effect in society. And so there's that. The second part that I would say is really having acceptance and sort of embracing the change that takes place, kind of going with the flow, if you will. Um, It's really trusting, as we mentioned earlier, that the world around you is allowed to change, and so are you. You know, people are allowed to define who they are, and they're allowed to really create those roles, not just as a male or female, but as an individual. Appreciate that answer. It was a very thorough, very uh, touched on uh, a lot of very good points. Uh, We talked about labels on this show uh, with Alexandra Nassett a a couple of episodes ago, two episodes ago, to be precise, from from tonight, in the episode Mm -hmm. we're recording together. We talked about that in the cage of titles episode, the labels that we put on. I read a number of labels in the show opening that night and what was 
very powerful show. Yeah. And talking about how to do that. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, I know we've talked about that, and I'm uh, really grateful that, you know, you've listened to some of these shows and have been in touch by them as well. How can we move past the labels and gender roles? So those labels that we put on, male, female, and the traditional views or what we think the traditional views should be, that we find a good balance between being fueled by them, using them as fuel, so to speak, or being trapped by them, as we talked about in that show that night, is to be trapped in a cage. What in your experience, and what can you share with the listeners? I think that as you begin to to uh, create your own definition of gender roles, you know, as we said, they can be ever changing. You really want to sort of analyze piece by piece, you know, why did I choose to identify this part of the role? Um, why did I choose? for it to mean this essentially why is it important for me to associate it this way um where did this choice really originate from is it something that i feel truly connected to or um has this sort of been a small whisper in my ear over years and years time or some for with someone that um i'm deeply emotionally connected to like my parents um so it's really breaking it down getting the to the root of that definition, that association that we've created, and to really see if we're in line with that. Understood. There's so many things tied into this, which is why I think, and I've discussed it prior to coming on the air in, in our conversations, which I've been so grateful to have. Um, there's so much that ties into this from many different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about the financial role, the media, role of religion in shaping some of those things and culturally what those things mean. I work with people, as I said before, a lot of them are younger than I am. Some of them are, are raised in different religions where, as you touched on before, like in Islam, there's this very stereotypical view, excuse me, of, of the role of the man and role of the woman. Uh, there's a very uh, stereotypical view of, of their place, so to speak. And to see the younger generation, we see it play out, you know, worldwide in some of the countries in the Middle East. You know, the younger generation is ready to, to for real change, ready to, to turn the whole thing on its head. To say, you know, this is, this is, we're done with this. We want a different life, a uh, different type of life for ourselves, lives for our children each generations, and that's where the role of, of technology comes into this. Mm-hmm. With all that being straight, we have you know, that piece. What is the role of coaching, life coaching, relationship coaching, and helping people to define those gender norms and make sure that they align with, with their values? Great question. Relationship coaching in particular is really a powerful, powerful tool that helps people get 
crystal clear on who they are, what it is they desire, what's holding them back from what they desire, and really finding the path to achieve it. So oftentimes uh, people think that they know what they want, but then even if they get it, they're, feel, they're left feeling like something's missing. We've talked about that throughout the conversation tonight. With coaching, you get to really dive deep to find that missing piece. You know, what is that thing that's happening at the core that you ultimately are desiring that will bring you that mind-blowing relationship that you've always dreamt of or the life that you wanted but never thought possible? I agree, you know, and, and it may sound, you know, like uh, like I said before, like cliche, or it may sound like a like some type of uh, buzzword or some kind of tagline. But mm-hmm. there, you know, that whole asking yourself what is what is my purpose really does speak to the core of people and to the core of our human condition and to the core of the show. If we're going to get along together. You know, it's a show I did with Amy Phillips mm-hmm. on self-love, love yourself. You have to forgive yourself before you can then love another person and therefore bring harmony and bring peace to a relationship. If you're in a relationship and you don't love yourself first, that relationship isn't going anywhere. I'm, I'm sorry to break it. Absolutely. It, but, right? Yeah. Not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Could not have said it better myself. And you know that's that's even another another piece of the puzzle that's really ingrained into our gender norms, which is that a lot of us think we can't have happiness unless we have that counterpart. Um, you know, even when we talk so much about about um, biblical text and and kind of signs and and media and things that reflect to us, I, the first thing that just flashed into my mind is that in, in my culture, in Judaism, we have a, a symbol and it sort of looks like two pieces of a heart. And it's very traditional for a man and a woman to kind of wear this necklace that'll have a phrase on it, um, like Mazel Tov or something of like that. But it's always two pieces of a heart that are combined to one. And so essentially that meaning of that he has my my heart or he has a piece of my heart and without him I'm not whole and it's and vice versa and it's so not the case not to say that you can't expand on that with another person but love always starts with you be it a man be it a woman and you don't need the other person or another person in general to actually bring that to you it's just reflecting what's already within you and that's one of the biggest misconceptions that we have that has started with of having to have one to the other. Yeah, so I need to be with this person to be complete myself. Uh, yeah. That's a general misnomer that, that the person that you choose to be your partner, your life partner, your husband, your wife, it's got mm-hmm. a really, there's so much noise in the world today. We talked about these dating sites and Tinder and all these other things that have all these different apps and all these applications. I didn't have any of that when I was coming up. And mm. there's all this noise system and there's so many, there's all these messages and so much messaging, you know, the ads, media, these things thrown at you. It's very difficult for people to connect with 
you know, you could get thrown off really fast. You could be totally confused as to what is my purpose and what do I really want? And as you put, yeah, that we got to connect them with that as you still know, on the role of coaching. We have to mm-hmm. connect them to what do you, how are we going to do that? And is what you're doing now getting you what you want? Probably not. And then what if I provided you with a pathway that was a lot less cost, a lot less risk, provide your results? How would you feel? You know, uh, okay. Exploring your, you know, how, how do you feel about this and that? How do you think that's going to translate to your relationships to, to both at work and at home? And, and what do you really want to get out of your career? Do you want it to just be about material possession, or is there another means to that end? So coming from someone I thought to be much clear about personal development, the end goal. So that's very important. Absolutely. So thank you for sharing that with the listeners and and for sharing you know, some of the aspects of your faith as I share about my faith on this show quite often that is definitely there's definitely something to be said for that in the way of the world today, you know, with the divorce rate being what it is, I go to these uh, seminars and workshops and conferences for Catholic men, this whole push, as I mentioned before in the show, but in a while, about having men become more involved and engaged in church. You know, the uh, couples that pray together, they married 90% of the time. You know, the divorce rate is 50%. So I don't even know, the 10% of those people, they'll make it, 90% of them do. And then if you don't, you've got a 5 to 6, you know, out of 10 rate that it's going to fail. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a, and that's one where, as, you know, uh, as a Catholic, I feel very strongly, I feel very strongly about marriage being, this is it, this is a life commitment that I've made. And, you know, I made that commitment before God, so that, that's it. And, mm-hmm. and so that ties in. Spirituality does help with, you know, keep yourself on point, so to speak. And so that's where I talk to people a lot about their spirituality. And if they don't have that, then how are we going to connect them to some type of spiritual end? Because, you know, that involvement in their lives is going to provide them the purpose. And it's going to provide them and help them you know, along this path as well. Right. So at the point of the show, top of the hour, did you want to add something before I move? Okay. Oh, I was just going to just going to comment that it's interesting being that in the modern age too, you also have people moving away from sort of religion and it's a little bit more spiritual, but you know, it's really as you mentioned that connection to purpose in some shape or form, which we have as be it spiritual or not, we have a natural inclination as humans to be of surface, to find a purpose. And for most, it is something that's connected to spirit in some sense, but it's ultimately finding that purpose, finding that passion that fuels you, that motivates you is the ultimate, you know, goal to really then be to move forward and to really start changing and shifting the mindset to create all of this. It's powerful. Yes, yeah, it's very powerful. Yeah, I was with someone once that I was helping, and you know, the question was, okay, what's your purpose? I don't know. 
I'm a robot. A lot of work to do. You know. Yeah. What's your purpose? What's your purpose of your life? What, what are we doing here? I don't know. Okay. What, what, what on the wheel? What things you know resonate with you here? You know? Right. And that's where where the solution starts. Okay. What what thing? Relationships. I'm really unhappy in a in a relationship. Let's say. You know. Okay. Tell me about that. And what does that look like for you? And what is your your ideal look like for you. And that's what Jenna and I do, and that's how you know, we can help. So we're at the stage of the show where we call Common Ground. Uh, it's not saying that it's the hour. Where do we find common ground between those who are closed off to change, who want to hang on to those generals in the past, you know, the tough guy, the masculine guy, the strong savior, the white knight, versus the woman that stays at home and does the traditional keeping in the house and cooking the thing we discussed on it. And the gender roles of the present where men are being encouraged to be more open with their feelings, that they can still be tough and they can still be strong. And women can pursue their goals and still the family and still have a life and still be open to a life that most likely will not live up to maybe a fantasy that they've created. What can we do to find common ground between those two, the people that want to hang on and the people that are comfortable with where they're going? Really, really strong question. Common ground, I would say, is really that nobody is ever truly obligated to conform to another's belief. And we mentioned this a little bit earlier. We all have been given the divine right to see the world as we choose to see it. So first, which is always the hardest part, is to release the judgment of others' beliefs. If you don't want to be judged for your own beliefs, others are probably feeling the same way as you. And it's completely possible for everyone to go about their own lives with their own opinions. I mean, we do it now. We've always done it really every day. But let's say you're somebody whose beliefs were traditional for most part of your life. And now you sort of feel to, to make the change. That change can really be scary. And you might even feel really stuck because of that split between the two, that judgment of what if I'm seen differently or frowned upon, if I, if I become a different identity. And really, the key to moving forward is building the courage to use your voice and express what it is that you are truly desiring to be. To do that, you really want to be connected to why it's important to you. Again, those values that we've been talking so much about today. What, are, what will change for you when you get to walk the talk of your true nature? How are you going to benefit from it? How will the people around you benefit? So we start to think of more of what is, what's, the, what's the plus? What's the bonus of getting to do this, of not stepping into my fear and continuing to live to this old societal belief? What's the good thing that's going to come out of it? Rather than getting stuck in the what ifs, which usually happens to be what if they don't like me? What if they, you know, something bad happens? We always tend to, to veer into that fear duct of the negative. Seeing it around, starting to think, what's the benefit of that? Not necessarily what's positive, but 
what's the advantage of getting to push through the challenge? What's the advantage of getting to push through my fear? What comes out on the other side? What will I be when I release the judgment of myself of changing the norm of, of this gender for me? And one by one, as I said, each and individual person, as they start to really get in touch with this, society as a whole starts to conform. When you make a shift, when your perception shifts, your reality outside of you will start to shift with it. It's like we sense it from one another. In coaching, we always say, like energy attracts like energy, right? So when our energy shifts around that gender norm, the people around us are going to shift around that as well. And we see it nowadays, you know, with men. I haven't had a chance to really to talk about the men, the amazing men we have in this world. Men who are willing to be brave and cry to speak openly about how they feel to show a woman and sensitivity when they do it. And the other men around to see it and it starts to see that it's, hey, it's okay. Nobody's hurting here because he's showing his feelings. The men around him start to do it too. And when they start to do it, you get to drop the act of what it means to be a man and vice versa. Women get to drop the act of what it means to be a woman and we all just get to be people. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for yeah. on the subject. Great, great discussion. So tell me about yourself. Let's talk about Jenna. Let's talk about your your practice, excuse me, your uh, coaching, maybe some workshops, some upcoming events. What, what do you have going on? Where can people do that sort of thing? Yeah. I do have a free master class that works through all of this. Uh, it's especially geared for women, but men are always welcome. We talk about really creating the true love experience. And to do that, we talk about the seven levels of how we identify ourselves, of how we move our energy out into the world, and how we can adjust those things to really stand up on our own two feet to be authentic as we are to identify ourselves exactly as we want to be so that we can attract exactly what it is that we're looking for. So we have that. It's absolutely free, free class. They're welcome to come onto jennaponemancoaching.com to get it. It's right there for you. And I also do have a live uh, workshop coming up. So anybody that's in Los Angeles is welcome to join me. We're going to have a nice personal meetup where we all get to get, uh, get together and really discuss what it is to be as we are and how we get to utilize that for our benefit to create the environment where we can really thrive. That's excellent. People want to reach you, uh, website, uh, anything that you want to put out there? Yeah, they're more than welcome to contact me through my website, jennaponemancoaching.com. They can also find me on also Jenna Poneman coaching uh, and I do have an Instagram that's just Jenna Poneman being the millennial and all I've got to be on all social medias right um, so I'm very easy to get a hold of um, I've got lots of free tips free videos all the time on social media platforms so if you just want a little extra help a little extra information come and pop in over there send me a message ask me a question I am always there to support and help in any way that I can. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. You're welcome. If you're in the L.A. area, go check that event out. Go check out the meetup. If you're anywhere and you want to meet up with Jenna over the phone and get some coaching, get some guidance on relationships, um, I would highly recommend it. I've uh, been talking with Jenna, like I said, about this show for six months now. We've been playing and got to know her really well. And I would say if, if you're struggling, you're out there and you're dealing with something and you're unfulfilled and you're looking for some relationship guidance, please give her a call or email her or hit her up in some way on Instagram and, and get that going. So thank you, Jenna, very much for being on the show. Uh, thank you. And for sharing this and for your time and being with your time and coming on with the time difference and everything. Uh, some upcoming show promotions for you. Kimberly Frazier, Enjoying Life on Purpose. That's Kimberly Frazier, Enjoying Life on Purpose. 7 p.m. Thursday, the 23rd of August. That's Kimberly Frazier. The show is Enjoying Life on Purpose. The last couple of guests have really overcome some obstacles. Really interesting, very inspiring show. 7 p.m. Eastern, Thursday, third on the Life Coach chat channel is her new episode. And then Tammy Danfield, remember her from this program. She guests on this program in the early stages of her podcast. Kick Some Glass. That's Kick Some Glass, D-L-A-S-S, like the glass ceiling. Tammy Danfield and Melissa Blackmore, her partner, if you remember, she added a co-host there to that show. They're back from summer break. I can't wait to talk to Tammy and Buster Chops about that because I didn't pick it up. But she's back from summer break. Uh, you can listen to the archived episodes. The first, you can be on the first and third Thursday of every month now. We're going to be coming back with that on the Network Trading Network. You can listen to our archive of episodes. The gap in uh, pay. Uh, there's also a show about winning. Uh, there's some interesting shows on there too. Keep up with that and be on the lookout for when they announce the new shows. It's Tammy Banfield, Melissa Black and Glass is the name of the show. Food for the Poor, www.foodforthepoor.org, 800-427-9104. Samaritan's Purse, that's www.samaritanspurse.org. And MAP International, www.map.org, 800-225-8550. And again, to donate to the California wildfires and people suffering in California. That's www.salvationarmyus.org. Search for Redding, California, and the California wildfires. So I hope you've enjoyed our episode tonight on gender and on gender roles and have learned and have taken some of what Daniel and I have put out there for you. Take that advice. Learn to uh, be just very honest with yourself. Be very honest with the relationships in your life. That you'll truly live undivided. This has been episode number 28 of Undivided and the Rose and Relationships. I am back. Three weeks. Three week break for me. My next show is Wednesday, September 5th with Michelle Madden. It's at 7 p.m. live. Wednesday, September 5th with Michelle Madden. The show is going to be all about how we communicate, communicating, listening, speech and words. Very interesting show, interesting guest. Wednesday, September 5th, the episode 29 of Undivided. Till then, for Russ Terry, 
for Trina Ramsey, for Dana Trouble. I want to thank Tina Poneman. I want to thank all of our listeners. Until I see you guys again, as always, be blessed and be well.